We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is our 17th episode of the year, and it's probably, at least right now, it's our saddest one yet, folks. This is Derek C. Apollo with former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. We're here to commiserate over the Rams' 13-3 loss in the England Patriots in Super Bowl 53. It was a tough night with plenty of things to feel awful about. But I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, first things first, Michael, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm like you. I'm just trying to get my thoughts and my feelings together. Well, we, I spent the, the whole day doing that. I mean, we we were going to do a post game last night, and we just like, you know what, we better stop because if we're going to break this thing down right, we, there can't be emotion involved in this thing if we're going to do it the right way. 
Um, you're shaking. He's shaking his head. Yes. By the way, dude, you look smooth. Like he's right now. You can't see this video. Maybe one day we'll start doing a video podcast. But he's just chilling. He's got the skull cap on, the hoodie. He's chilling. His, it looks like your car, right? You're in your, your podcast. Yeah, your car. I had to run out. I had a, uh, a thing to do, and, and I knew he had the time. So I said, man, let me get out here and get on the podcast. Hey, there are several people I know that podcast from their car. So oh, you wow. are. So you are no. You are no, uh, you're no alien to that. Okay, and by the way, folks, um, guess what? I got some news for you. Michael here is joining the staff uh, as a co-host with me on the show uh, beginning today. So this yes, will be, sir. This is awesome. We now have, you know, a real True Blue Los Angeles Rams member on the staff. It's great to have you, man. Thanks for taking up the offer. Um, it's been great having you on the show periodically throughout the year, and I'm really thrilled and proud to offer you um, a place on our podcast. We don't, that's all we can't, we can't pay the guy, but he, he's passionate, he, he's passionate about the Rams, and so are we, so it's a good mix. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay. So before we get into the big game, we do want to remind you that podcasts are anywhere you can find them, we're there Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Also, don't forget to subscribe. On, you know, iTunes. That's a big deal for us. iTunes. They leave a five star review if you can. If you think we're worth it, and I think we are. And if we're not, you know, send me an email and tell us why, so we can keep getting better. That's a big thing. We always want to get better from one season to the next. That's what the Rams got to do next year, right? I got to get a little bit better. Uh, it helps us out. Don't forget to fight for. Uh, don't forget to look for our other shows on the network, Rampage Radio and Butting Heads. And I think. We might just have another podcast joining the network real soon with somebody who knows a whole lot of stuff. I'll leave that out there. We'll find out if this works out. I'll let you know. Okay, and we also want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. And it's a big one, Jim Hawk, Hollywood's team. He wrote this book uh, about the 1950s Rams that it's really cool and how he actually gets in there and, and from the perspective of his dad and talks about the story of the 1950s Rams who uh, threw his lens, the lens of Jim's dad, John, offensive line off the team from 1953 to 1957. He talks about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Chrysler's Hirsch, Tom Fierce, Les Richter. This whole story spanning the 1950s Rams, and he does it with his backdrop of Hollywood, playing behind the, you know in front of the crowds with the Hollywood sign behind you, and this is Hollywood's team. So check it out. Jim Hawk's book, you can find online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's team. It's available both on hardback and electronic form. And Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's a great book, great read. And it's actually affordable, guys. I'm telling you. By the way, he's got a charity. I don't know if you've, if you've seen this. All proceeds from this book go to a downtown Los Angeles charity. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worthy cause, folks. So, you know, he's, he's, Jim's not taking home money for this. Go buy the book. And do us a favor to leave a review and email it to us. And maybe, just maybe, we'll do a contest on it. Okay? So, the um, <laughs> my getting in the game... The stats from last night aren't pretty. We do want to run through them just be, just for posterity's sake. Again, it was um, a game that I think we could be honest and say it's it wasn't what we wanted, was it? Not at all. Not at all. You know, like I said last week, uh, I was calling 28-14, uh, but it just seemed like we never could really get on track. And it was like that. I mean, you would have thought it was the perfect start for the Rams. The perfect start. Okay, you've got um, 
you've got a turnover on the first drive. You can see immediately they're getting pressure on Brady, and nothing really worked offensively at all. At all, just I think this the stunning most important about it all. It's not that the Rams, you know, had some issues at times dealing with Julian Edelman. It was offensively for the better part of the game. It was not the team we know. Yeah, not at all. And I, I, I think, and we talked about it a little bit last week, I think it was a situation of going into the big stage and, like, overcoaching. Because there's a lot of just basic things, and I'm sure we'll get into it, that the Rams' offense could have done just easy adjustments that could have made a well of a difference, and it just never came. And so you're just kind of going like, okay, what is going on I'm sitting here watching from the TV and can see all you need to do is do this and do that. But it just seemed like it never came. And we do want to get into that because even Coach McVay himself said last night he was outcoached. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Mike, we're seeing on social media, we're seeing people bashing Sean McVay as overrated as a guy who was totally – Expose, and I don't see it that way at all. I see it as a guy who went up against probably the best coach in NFL history, and this is, the team got beat. That's all, all is to it. I'm not sure how you can rationalize being overrated. He took over a team that two years ago was one of the worst in the league. How, how can well, anybody rationalize that? Well, I think you know what happens is it's kind of like. You know, when the run and shoot first came into the league way back in the Houston Oilers days, the run and shoot, and then it was with Atlanta, you know, it took a while to catch up with the three wide, four wide receiver situations. Then they caught up. Then now we have the RPO game that is now coming in from college. Hence, uh, all these guys coming in from college, getting these jobs. And once defensive coordinators catch up to it, well, you got to adjust. I think with McVay now having two years of film, and again, when you're talking about Bill Belichick, there's one thing we all can agree on. Here's He's going to take away, take away what you do best, and that's what he did. He took away the deep passing game and said, we're going to make you beat us, Jared Goff. And I, I just think, but there were some simple adjustments that if they could have done them early, I believe they would have just opened it all up. And we're going to get into that. That's really a, kind of a the the eye scratcher. I, I'm wanting to hear about these adjustments because I'm sitting there, you know, I'm just sitting there baffled. That zone the Patriots played last night was was it was sharp. I have to fess up and say those guys were ready for the Rams' offense. They they were well prepared and it showed. Gee, it's almost like they've been there nine times. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> so. All right, team stats. Team stats here. And, guys, I mean, we know they're not pretty, but we're going to go through anyways. First downs, the Patriots 22, Rams 14. Third down efficiency, 3 of 12 for the Patriots, 3 of 13 for the Rams. So the Rams are pretty good on third down. Uh, total yards, 407 for the Patriots, 260 for the Rams. And, we again, just being intellectually honest here, a chunk of, of that 260 came on the Rams' last drive with the game pretty much done. Um, yards per play, 6.0 for the Patriots, 
4.3 for the Rams. Um, we were worried about the number of plays for the Patriots. You know, in the last couple of games, they've been getting up in the 90s. The Rams actually did a solid job on defense. They did. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yards rushing, 154 for the Patriots, 62 for the Rams. That's a problem. The 154 is a little inflated for the Patriots because that was, at this point, it's late fourth quarter. The Rams are, are they're drained. They're, they're done. Um, passing. Passing, this is this is the tough one. 253 yards passing for the Patriots on 21-35 and a sack and interception for Tom Brady. Uh, watching Tom throw in this game, if, if he's ever looked 41, at times he did look 41 last night, and the Rams did some solid things there with him. 198 yards passing for the Rams, 19 of, of 38, a 4.7 yards for pass. Jared Goff was sacked four times through an interception and punting. The Rams punted nine times, 46.3 yards a, uh, a punt, uh, five times for 43 for the Patriots, nine penalties for the Rams for 65 yards, three for 20 for the Patriots, and time possession, 33 minutes for the Patriots and 26.54 the Rams. Um, individual stats. Uh, <laughs> again, Tom Brady, 235, 262. Jared Goff, 19 38, 229. Uh, Sonny Michelle, 18 carries, 94 yards. A lot of that came late as the Rams were wearing down. Rex Burkhead, a ninth, uh, seven carries for 43 yards. That's the crux of the running game there. Todd Gurley, 10 carries, 35 yards. CJ Anderson, seven carries, 22 yards. Uh, Gurley did have a 13-yard a run call back on a pretty weak holding call. I mean, it was a pretty weak holding call. Uh, Receiving-wise, this is where, I mean, I, I have questions for you on this, Mike. Julian Edelman, 10 catches, 141 yards, along with 27, was targeted 12 times. So that percentage there, 12 targets, catches 10 of them. Uh, Gronk, 6 catches, 87 yards. And um, Rex Burkhead's next, 2 for 15 Brandon Cooks had a solid night. He's probably the only guy who did in receiving core overall. Uh, eight catches, 120 yards, along with 24. That touchdown was just there. Jared Goff sees him quicker. Robert Woods, seven, uh, sorry, five catches, 70 yards, and the rest from there is pretty negligible. Uh, tackles. For the Patriots, leading tackler would be... One second here. Jason McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, 5-5. Five and five. Jonathan Jones, 8 tackles for the Rams. 8 tackles from Mark Barron. 10 tackles from Corey Littleton. And the interception, by the way. 7 from John Johnson. John Johnson actually had a solid game, by the way. At least I thought he did. You'll know more. <laughs> You'll know more. I'm going to ask you in a minute. So there's the stat breakdown. Michael, this is where you come in, man. I've got so many questions for you over this game. It was a defensive war. Um, I have a lot of problems with this game being called a bad game, you know, a boring game. If you like defense, there was a lot of good stuff last night. And if you don't like defense, then, yeah, you're probably bored. I'm a, I'm a defensive guy, you know, I coach defense. And, of course, you play defense. So you've seen these things. In a broad overview, in a broad overview, what happened last night? What went wrong? Well, the broad overview, in my opinion, is simply the idea that adjustments weren't made early that affected mindset late. So, what happened was 
a couple key things. Uh, you remember early in the first quarter, uh, Roby Coleman makes a big hit kind of mm-hmm. in the backfield. Yeah. But they called a penalty on, I think it was Littleton, for hitting a defenseless receiver. I never could see where the replay or what they were talking about, but that was a big play. Well, they clarified. They said that it was actually on Roby Coleman, and because he didn't actually give the runner a chance to to advance, it was a penalty, which to me, he wasn't defenseless. They say he was defenseless back there. You're behind the line of scrimmage. You have a whole offensive line in front of you. How are you not defenseless? Yeah, I don't get how that could even be considered a call when you're just making a tackle. And so that's where this whole defenseless – defenseless is when, like, Daryl Stingley, he stretched mm-hmm. out for a ball over the middle, and here comes Jack Tater putting a hammer down. That's defenseless. This mm-hmm. guy catches the ball and then gets whacked. That's, that's not defenseless. And he's a running back by position because he's still in the backfield when he catches. So those kind of things – a little bit, you know, kept that drive alive, kept that drive alive. Uh, so there's just things like that that happen throughout the game, which leads to, and we'll talk about Edelman and how he was getting his catches. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of little things like that that played a part in the end in the whole psychology. One thing that people miss. And this is where I know Bill Belichick is a master of deception. They put in the paper on Saturday, hey, Coach Belichick decided, hey, we're not going to go through our normal walkthrough. We're just going to make it so the players and the family enjoy their day and have a great time. I love watching my guys, you know, play. So psychologically, the Rams are going like, what? They're not going to go through their walkthrough. That was a that to me was a great gamesmanship play on his part. A lot of people probably didn't pay much attention, but someone like me would go, "Wait a minute, why are they not practicing? Do they think they're gonna just beat us that easily, or do they feel like, hey, Bill Belichick is getting soft? We got him." But that to me was a was a nice little ploy. Just a side side note. So you, <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> You were on that. I didn't catch that at all. Um, you mentioned, you know, the the you bring back bringing back your experience here, you know, because on that drive the Rams did stop the Patriots. Okay, they yes. come about the Roby Coleman play, but psychologically, what you can and can't do, I'm sure, affects you in the game. How did that affect the Rams from your point of view, as as they chose to attack the backfield, how they chose to cover receivers, how. What what do you believe was the Rams' mindset in this game, especially as we got you know deeper into it? Well, let's follow that. Yeah, a big play would have stopped them. It was all about field position. So instead of having them kick out at about the fifteen, because it would have been like third and fifteen or whatever, they hopefully would have stopped them. Now it's fourth down. They're kicking from their own, you know, inside. The punter's going to be inside the twenty fifteen we're going to get the ball about on the 40-yard line. Mm-hmm. They extended that drive, and I think that ended up being the drive they got the interception, if I'm not yeah, it wrong. Yeah, it was. Yeah, It was. So at the same time, we get the interception, and what did we do? We went three and out. So in essence, they picked up about 25 to 30 yards of field position 
by the Rams, even though we stopped them, three and out, we punt, punt didn't go that far, if I remember. So now they're now starting on the 40. Or, and then now they drive down, and I think the guy misses the field goal on that attempt. But everything Bill Belichick and the Patriots did was all about field position. They would take what they got. If they did have to punt, they were punting, and we were playing inside our 20 pretty much the whole first half. And by not getting first downs, now we're shortening the field for the Patriots. Now all they need is a first. Then they got the field goal. Now it's 3 nothing. Yeah, the defense is playing stellar. But as a defender, all you're saying is, hey, man, guys, we don't care really if you score or not right now, but at least get one first down. But when you go three and out as a defender, and a lot of those guys are playing special teams as well, you come off, you might be able to grab a drink, and they're going, punt team, punt team, get ready, or punt return team, you're going like, what? They punt again? What's going on? So psychologically, over time, it starts wearing. So even like into the fourth quarter, it's a tie game. I go to the Patriots, have us right where they want us because they know at this point in time, the defense is going to start to wear down. And that's exactly what happened. This defense wore down. Um, now, the one thing we all talked about as we previewed this game was the fact that the Rams needed to get pressure on Tom Brady. And they did. They had him running at various – he was getting hit. Tom Brady did not go through this game unscathed. But what did the Patriots do to just do enough to beat the Rams on offense? So what the Patriots did, they changed their package. They started out the game with a lot of two tight end sets and a fullback and just two wideouts. They eventually went to one tight end set, three wideouts, and then they would take the back and, and move him out the backfield, which now put dime a, dime, a, a nickel package on the field, which is six DBs. Patriots, however, were playing more or less with five DBs and still two linebackers. So with that, they had a guy who could drop, and then they still had a guy who could still rush. And so even though if you have a nickel package with six DBs and you bring an extra blitzer, you're only bringing an extra blitzer who's 185 pounds as opposed to a 230, 40-pound linebacker. So what the Patriots ended up doing they started flooding the zones and spreading out the defense, creating space. What we didn't do, and this is one of the things that I can believe we didn't do, if you go back and look at the tape, you'll see when our backs are like releasing, they're kind of half releasing as opposed to a divine, we're going to make you cover us, which opens up space. And so where they were messing some opportunity was, hey, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to spread you out. We're going to make sure the back or backs both release. You guys better honor their release or I'm hitting them right now. And you'll see a lot of times the backs release late. They're wide open. Now, are they going to get a 15-yard catch? No, but they're going to easily pick up five. And now they got a guy in space to make them tackle. You miss me. Now I got 10. Maybe I got a big run. And that, that was there all night. And we never threw to the back, I don't think, one time out the backfield. One. I mean, we had yeah. one. One. Yeah. Um, and, and that was 
Norm texted that we had we had a Ramsock group thing going for this, and hey, next year you're going to be in that group for that. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, um, one, of the, I I said, listen, we got to you know we we want to get them spread out with wise. We we want to, um, we want to get maybe get some more jet sweeps out there. And Norm's like, we need screens, screen passes. That's what you want. You want these backs coming out of the backfield and moving and opening up the outside for both the pass and the run. And we weren't doing that. It wasn't just getting your receivers involved in the game. It was actually getting the running backs, the guys you pay to do that, <laughs> to go do it. Um, and he, uh, he, uh, he finds out he was right. It was there all night. And I, I think it was in a lot of cases. We're going to get to the offense here in a minute after after we talk about Sal. Um, what I really think it was was, Come third quarter, I think Goff had been hit. So I think didn't Goff take like twenty hits this game? Some crazy yeah, he number. Had, it was I think it was, was like it? twenty. Four was it twenty one? Yeah, it was like four or five sacks, twelve hits, number of hurries. But yeah, he he got hit a lot more. But a lot of that to me was because our route concepts, which I couldn't believe, and this is maybe where. You know, people on social media are, are kind of taking hits at McVeigh. When you have deeper route concepts, you have to make sure you can have your line hold up for those routes to develop. The difference is if I'm a defender and I know the only route you're running is a 15 yard in, well, I'm just going to back up and wait till you run to me and then I jump it. That's what they did. So. And so when you look at our receivers, even on the catches we were getting, those guys are draped on us. They're like great grabs. Like, oh, man, I was almost a pick. Ooh, he caught it. Ooh, ooh. The other dilemma was everything the Rams did was from tight formation. They would have the two wideouts, even if it was a two-by-two on each side, tight to the formation. Well, if you got everybody that may be a receiver inside the hashes, well, there's a lot less space as a secondary linebackers or anyone has to cover. Everything's already condensed for you. Or they would go trips, or we call it three, three wise or three together in a bunch to the short side of the field. Well, you got everybody inside that numbers area. There's not a whole lot of room and a lot of routes you can run. And so that was, to me, another big mistake. Why are we compacting our formation so that the defenders have less area to cover. So even if you run a route, if you don't have any space to work on, well, I can cover you easily as a defender. And that's <laughs> where Derek Off was getting sacked because he's he's holding the ball, getting some time. He's like waiting for a guy to break free, but there's no room to work with. And then a number of times I see guys all in the same area, which I know – Nobody, you can't have three guys in the same area within five yards. That's somebody running the wrong routes, or you getting jammed up and you can't get open. Okay, so one question I want to I want to kind of back that part off because I have with the defense paired in here. Don't lose that thought because I have sure. several questions on that one. But going back to the Patriots, okay. On the flip side of the passing game, Julian Edelman. Great game, and mostly on some of the same stuff you're thinking the Rams should have been doing. Short, Absolutely. intermediate routes, ten, you know, the ten catches. It was death by paper cut out there. 
so, and I, I just picked. I, I just wanted to use that expression. I picked it up last week. Yeah. Really, <laughs> I like it. Death by paper cut. So, what did you see in coverage overall that the Patriots exploited? You, know, you, you mentioned coming up the line, and they they weren't the Rams weren't committing, but I mean. The routes he was running, he wasn't he wasn't running hard routes. He he's a good route runner, but they showed at times every once in a while in the game they could cover him. What should they have done to adjust to this to draw closer to him? Well, my thing is what you do know about Brady is he wants to get rid of the ball quickly. He doesn't really want to get hit. One of the dilemmas I went back and looked at some some highlights is a lot of our rushes ended up being a three-man rush. But they always had six people in. They had the five linemen plus a bat. So you got six on four linemen starting, but for some reason, three of our guys would always end up on the same side like they got pushed to an area. And I go, why does it not seem like we're getting any pressure? Well, when you go back and look, You'll see a lot of times we end up with a three-man rush, again, because we have nickel in. So one of the outside linebackers, when they check release a back, he now has to come out of the rush to fall off to the, the running back. The other thing that I noted, even from the the uh, the game before with the, with the Chiefs, is the last thing you really want to do with these guys is to really get physical. So Edelman, what he was doing was running just simple, we call them option route. I'm going to try to run this over route across the middle. If you cut me off, well, I just option out the other way. And so all he was doing was, if you let me run over, I continue across the field. If you try to stop and wall me off, well, I option off you and go the other way. And Brady would hit him right soon as he optioned. And so if I'm telling the defenders, I'm going, guys, we're going to make them run them five, seven-yard option route underneath. We're going to stay off of them, and we're going to come up and punish them on the tackle. Mm-hmm. That's all they had to do. But you can see different times they were trying to double Edel- Edel- Edelman, and they were. But mm-hmm. while they're doubling him, now Gronkowski is one-on-one now with a linebacker. He gets open. Or a guy try to take a guy head off and miss. That's the one time Edelman catches the ball. And then he just running for like a 15-yard game. You know, I missed him. Oh, shoot, he got away. So my thing is, let's take out our aggression. Let's back off these dudes, make them catch them underneath, and we're going to see how many hits they want to take for the rest of the day. But isn't and that, isn't that essentially what, they, what happened, though? I mean, they were catching all that stuff in that intermediate route and then running with it in open space. I mean, didn't, didn't, didn't right. they a lot of ways back yeah. off too much? No, the thing is, if you go back and look, a lot of times they were trying to, to jam and be physical or Edelman because of the way they already had the formation spread out. And it was very clear, you know, and, and uh, I forget the guy on ESPN. He showed a uh, I think it's Matt Hasselback, the former quarterback. He goes, look at this route concept. Hooks on the outside, seams in the middle, uh, Edelman run an option route. So Brady, because like Joe Montana would do, he would look at the defense and he could tell where the Mitch match is going to be. And so if you jump Edelman, well, he knows Gronk is one-on-one at 6'7". 
if you play off, well, I know my guys out wide doing a hooks, they're going to be wide open. And so all Brady was doing was taking what they gave him and let the guys get some run after the catch. And so with Edelman, again, what was happening with him when they were running the seams, that was taking the safeties out of the play. So now you basically got a linebacker or whoever the underneath cover guys are. And if they voided their zone or they were too aggressive, then now when he caught the ball, he had what looked like to be a lot of running room. But if you play those guys off and make them run the routes mm-hmm. to you, now you can jump him as soon as he catches it and you hit him. Yeah, he may get a four-yard gain, but he's not taking that four-yard gain, making it eight, 12, 10. No, it's four-yard gain, and you're going to take this hit. As opposed to, oh, man, I'm physical. You option off me. And now when I catch it, I actually have running room and you tackling me from behind. So that to me was a big thing that Tom in their offense uh, with Josh McDaniel said, hey, man, we're just going to basically spread everything out. We're going to keep running this route. Tom, just find an open guy. So moving on we just what we talked about in this in context here the rams still only gave up 13 points did a lot of really good things in this game but some folks on social media and coming at us on, on social media talking about how the rams defense sucked um wade Phillips should be fired um does okay. there, i know right there's there's a defense that held the afc champs now the nfl champs to 13 points deserve that kind of criticism think about it If you knew right now, if we said last week, hey, the Patriots are going to be up three to nothing at the half, whose money, where are you putting your money on? I'm putting money in the Rams. Absolutely. What? They only got three points? Oh, we got them. But what happened was the offense could never get on track and could never really answer till late. And we tied it up. But even on that drive that we ended up with a field goal, some things happened that we could have scored. So now, instead of having seven points, now we got to make them actually work. Okay, whoo, we got a tie. It's 3-3. And I go, okay, this is the worst position to be in. Brady loves it. Oh, man, it's a 3-3 game. Oh, I know I can drive down here and get us in field goal range. You know what I mean? At the same time, you got to always look at the field position game. We're kicking out from our 30 to 25 all game. So that changes field position. So when, even though the Rams are stopping them, they're kicking us deep. We don't get a first down. Now they're still every possession getting a little bit closer. So they don't have that much field to work with. So the defense, they actually played extraordinarily given the circumstances because you can't punt nine times in a game and think you're beating anybody. There you go, folks. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> let one who's played the game tell you that one. I was blown away by the, the criticism towards the Rams' defense. I think the Rams' offense is well open to criticism. And, in short, of course, yeah, like you mentioned it, the Rams' defense made some mistakes. But, man, if I – if you could have told me two weeks ago that in, in the Super Bowl, the Rams are going to hold the Patriots to 13 points, I'm thinking, man, we, we're going to blow them out. And that's why I called 28-14. Because I'm like, man, we, we should easily be able to score 28 points. But I looked at 
and you know, me and my son were going back and forth. And you know, I know we're going to talk about the offense, but it was just one of those games that it just seemed like we tried to out coach ourselves because again, easy adjustments. Okay. We're going to take all our speed guys and we're going to see if you can run with us, but you got to put your guys in position that when you're running certain rub routes and things, it actually works. But once you compact everybody down, they don't have much room to work. That's why golf was like, oh, man, the guy's supposed to be open. Well, no, he's not because the linebacker who should be on the other side of the field, well, he's right here because the formation is already condensed. So there's no room to really work with. And uh, granted, he missed some throws. But overall, defense plays best and gets absolutely better, they stop him. Yeah, we went three and out. Good job, guys. And then your offense goes in, picks up two or three or four first downs, kicks a field goal. You're like, yeah, you go back on defense. Yeah, man, we stopped him again. Offense gets the ball, at least drive down, kicks him down deep. Okay, Mm -hmm. what do we do if we get him down deep? We're going to get a sack. But that just never happened. I mean, Tom Brady was starting 40, the 35, the 50, like all game. I mean, so the defense was stopping them, but that was a difference late. That pass that Gronkowski got, it's almost three guys draped on him. But Littleton, by that time in the game, and I think you said he had the most tackles, that dude was running all over the field. They had these guys tired, man. They had had them dead tired, and that's what what they're doing. He was there, but being a step slow allowed Gronk to make this almost one-handed grab and somebody else hit him, but it was just a big play, big throw, and I attribute that to a little fatigue setting in at the end of the game. All right. Ooh. <laughs> like I said, he's in his car, folks. <laughs> he, he's in his car, folks. <laughs> All right, so, hey, before we move on, uh, we do want to take some time out to talk about our sponsor, Sal Martinez and the Gold Ram Barbershop. One of these days, i got to get Mike there, man. One of these days, I bet you he's got pictures on his wall of you. And I don't mean that in I the bet. stalker way. I don't mean that in the stalker way, I promise. Okay? If yeah. you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area, and you do like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. He's kept the line ever since, folks. Ever freaking since. Okay? He's by appointment only. So give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call, 714-894-7267. It's worth it. His place is like a Rams Hall of Fame. It's a museum for the Rams. The Rams should go down there, take some pictures, you can show them how it's done when they put their big cathedral up over in Inglewood. It's worth it, folks. Check them out. It's a great experience. Just getting a haircut. Serious. Great experience. Okay. Mike, on to this Rams offense. We've, we've been kind of going there. I know you've been you've been chomping at the bit to get to this because I could tell because you've gone there when I was trying not to go there yet. So on a general <laughs> turn, you've mentioned it, so let's just go back and recap. What exactly did the Patriots do, just generally, to shut down the Rams? 
basically they took the format of Jared Goff, we're going to make you beat us. And so we call on defense. You have blitzes, and then we have what we call run blitzes. If we're getting gashed on the run, okay, we're going to start calling these run blitzes. We're going to hit the double A gaps. You know, we're going to stuff the B. We're going to drop a safety down in the box. So what they did, they go, well, we're going to stop this running game or whatever they think they're going to do. But what happened was the Rams just didn't stick with it long enough. So once they got stopped one time, and then when they got stopped the second time, they're like, oh, I guess we can't run. At the same time, the defense for Patriots were still saying, well, we're still going to blitz you the same because we don't believe you guys can beat us on the outside. And again, I noted a little earlier, with them condensing their offensive formation, it allowed them to still run these run blitzes, really, even though they weren't running. And that's how they were getting pressure on golf. And if you look at it, they were bringing six and sometimes seven, which now you got one extra guy that, you know, if the Rams only got six people in and you're bringing seven, or if they only got five, you know, they're liming in and you're bringing one extra, well, that's how you get true pressure. But again, their pressure were coming with bigger guys. And so overall, they just said, we're going to make you beat us outside or with, mm-hmm. with Jared Goff, but we figure we'll take our chances because they were having us not a lot of third and twos. We were like third and eight, third and seven. So you get a little third nine. Third nine, you know what I mean? And one of the other things is, where did Brandon Cooks play last year? New England. So, who did he practice against every day? Stephon Gilmore. And who? All the DBs, right? So, if you look at it, a lot of times, you know, Brandon Cooks was on lock. I mean, he ended up with some numbers late. But for the most part, it was like, Man, we got you, Brandon. We know everything you're going to do. So I think that instead of playing into an advantage for us, played into an advantage for them because they knew exactly how and when to jamming. And then again, the formation that the Rams were running, that's pretty predictable. And so you could tell if Brandon was lined up, you know, on the one receiver side, well, he's probably going to try to run an outside go route. So you just either play off or you play for the go. So they just kind of did all the little things like that that made it difficult for us to get on track. So that was a couple of concerns I had this year. And you know what? I want to go ahead and put this out there. I don't want anybody misquoting me. I am a supporter to the end of Sean McVay. I, he, he, his leadership has helped turn this franchise around. He's instilled a confidence in, the, in this team, a culture in this team that – is highly commendable, and you're not going to find anybody else better out there. But the but here thing is important to me. He's still so human. You know, he's he's going to make mistakes, and one of his tendencies, I think, has been his willingness to backing off the run too early. And we've talked about that a couple of times this year, and it was really obvious to give right away. And we don't know where to, we know what's going on, Togarell. We, we're hearing on one side he's fine, but then you watch him, and he doesn't look so fine. Todd Gurley looked miserable last night. 
He would. I'm, I'm telling you, it would not surprise me in the next week or two. They say he's having knee surgery. I, I just, you know, and I heard some reports that, you know, there was a lot of scouts uh, through the pre combine and all like that. You know, after he got injured his senior year, that said his knee got about five years in it, and so we're like at that five year mark. So you're like, okay, did this guy play? And, force himself and get the money and now he's like thinking about longevity i don't know but to me it's obvious there's something because if it's me man i'm gonna run him in here 20 times you're gonna have to show me you actually can stop us from running you're gonna have to actually and it's not gonna be on two or three runs and i'd have been putting cj anderson in okay let's see if you can stop him 10 times in a row you know kind you got to have that mentality, especially if you're going three and out anyway. I mean, yeah, go go hit some people. I guess what the way I'm looking at Todd is, I it was just a, a brief mention during the Super Bowl. They mentioned that coming, you know, during the week he was fine, but then taking some snaps. I think it was today he was kind of wincing as knee a little bit, but then after the game he's saying he's fine, and I. I don't know what to believe. And they just paid this guy a, a lot of money guaranteed. They exactly. got they get, and part of me is wondering what twofold. This is the Super Bowl, so you're gonna go all out. This is your chance to win it all. You never know if you're gonna be back again. Okay. But right. was there was there maybe in the back of Sean Fay's mind thinking, you know what? This guy's our back. Um do I need to protect him some to make sure? He, well, do I need to save his career? Like. That's what it looks like in the sense of they know or knew something going in. Like, okay, we're gonna have maybe X number of plays with this guy. Let's use them wisely, right? Because again, I'm with you. You're at the Super Bowl, man. We're going for broke because you just don't know what the next year could bring. You know, like I said. We went to the championship game one year and never saw the playoffs the next six out three when I was with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Didn't even get close. So, and we saw all the teams last year that was in the playoffs. Didn't even get close. So, it's like you got to go for broke. One thing I want to remind us is who was a major person missing in the passing game for us? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup. And you can see clearly how important that kid was once he was gone because even Gurley wasn't the same and golf definitely wasn't the same because that was like the safety valve and they kind of had a connection on these kind of option routes that Brady and Edelman when he needed it hey Coop I know you're gonna go beat this guy some way I'm gonna hit you with it and so and then that opened Brandon Cooks and and Woods up a lot more as well but once you take that guy out, and I forget the other kid's name, is it Alexander? Oh, 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 you're talking about um, Josh Reynolds. Reynolds, Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, So yeah. he had one catch, but if you saw the way he caught it and got open, it's like, okay, man, you're kind of stumbling around, and whereas Cooper Cup is smoothing it out his brakes, boom, he's getting it, he's up the field. He'd had, you know, probably 15 more yards on that grab. So you look at just kind of all those things, it works on the timing, it works on the psyche, 
uh, you know, Robert Woods, I think they try to kind of put him in Cooper cuffs, but Woods is more of a speed guy. He's not mm-hmm. a quick in and out great guy. So you have all these things that are working or not working, and you're trying to go out and win ball games, and that's where the chess match comes in. Okay, how can I take the pieces I have and make it work so we still can be effective? So let's just, you know, you put Gurley aside. You know, C.J. Anderson only had seven carries in the game, too. The Rams, did they just abandon the running game? No matter how you frame it, yeah, you, pro- you know that's that's the frustrating part is is this this blew me away. They're in the game and right away they're they're focusing on play action without actually establishing the run. How are you going to exactly. focus on play action if the Patriots don't respect it yet? Right. So if you look conversely, because they were able to run a little bit. That's how some of those pass plays were getting our backers, even though it's like third and eight. Mm-hmm. We're like lighting up on play action. And it's like, guys, you can clearly see it's play action. It's one back set deep. Tom Brady, he got the ball out where you can see it. He's not using his offhand. He got the ball out. You can clearly see it's a play action. But getting you to bite up those one or two yards was making the difference in a lot of these games. But absolutely, Derek, why are you still trying to do play action when everybody knows you're not running the ball? So going up on the other side here in terms of overall scheme of what they were doing, we talked about this earlier. They played a lot more zone. I mean, it's pretty clear that that Matt Patricia, head coach of the Lions, and Coach Belichick had a conversation because – the Lions employed a lot of the same stuff, and it really kind of exposed some of our shortcomings. I was at that game, and I remember being frustrated. The Rams could not handle what the Lions were doing, despite the fact the Lions had um, a definite personnel gap. We had the we had the talent there. The Lions didn't have it. Um, and it was even stated. It was even stated that the Rams, some Rams players mentioned that they played a lot more zone than they expected. Can you explain to our listeners why that zone mattered and how it slowed down the Rams? Well, basically when you're playing in a zone, you're one, you're not really playing for the run. You're playing for the pass zone allows you to be back in coverage, looking back and looking as everything is happening in front of you, as opposed to man, your back is going to be, to where the ball or the action is and you're playing the routes and it's like play the man from the pass first playing zone allows you to play the run and fast pass effectively both ways so now if and, and a lot of it is down in distance so if you have a guy or us third and eight third and nine third and seven well you can pretty much go well they're not running they haven't run all game And so we know we're not running. I'm going to play back because they got at least drive down eight to 10 yards to get the first and maybe try to come back. Well, now what you're doing, you got your guys playing back, waiting for the receivers to come to you. So one, you're not expending that much energy because you're not running, chasing a guy out of cuts and breaks. 
you're just sitting back, moving your feet really slow because you're already seven, eight yards off the guys. You know, they got to go that far just to get the first. So you're not expending any energy. At the same time, a route that needs to go eight to 12 yards takes a little longer than three to four yards. So now what does that mean? Well, we got to get pressure. But because we were playing a nickel package, we ended up only getting three men rushing. Well, they got plenty of guys that keep us out. Tom Brady has plenty enough time. Conversely, on the other side, we don't have any time because they're still sending more guys than we can block. And because we weren't throwing to the backs, half the time they weren't even covered. They're wide open, like in the flat area, just standing out there wide open. But it wasn't even looking over there. Whereas if they would have hit those guys a couple of times, now those backers that are in the middle of the field, they have to now start coming out and leaving that zone a lot earlier, which now opens up the middle of the field. All right, so going to to our quarterback here, how much responsibility does Jared Goff bear for this loss? I mean, he's been getting hammered hard in the media today. Several articles written about him in terms of just trashing his performance. Um, uh, The play that kind of comes to the front of my mind would be He's under pressure, throws off his back foot, gets the interception deep in, uh, in New England territory. Uh, but he got hit so much last night, so I'm not really sure how much criticism he really deserves. Where do you stand on that? Well, it's, it's both. The, the thing is, you're now, what is this, his third season? Yeah. Yeah. So now, hey, man, this is your third season. I get we can say the first year was a wash. Mm-hmm. Last year, okay, you learned a new system. You showed promise. Okay, this year you came back, had a solid year. So now the kid gloves come off, and you're no longer considered a young player, though he's still very young, right? So if we're truthful about the situation, when did golf have his best games? Beginning of the year. Beginning of the year. Again, now you don't have as much tape at the beginning of the year as you do at the end of the year. We already talked about Cooper Cuff was in the mix. Mm -hmm. So that was opening up a lot of stuff on the outside. So now as you are throwing them deep routes, they're wide open. Or now you're gashing them on the run with Gurley. Okay, Gurley got banged up. We don't got to worry about that. They got to go sign a guy off the street. Oh, Cooper Cuff is not playing. Cool. Well, we know Brandon Cooks. And Robert Woods, they're really speed guys, but they're not like quick in and out of breaks. And the the new kid, well, he's nowhere near Cooper Cuff. We don't even really got to worry about them. So all these things play into his effectiveness down the stretch. The other thing we do know, even Tom Brady, when you get to a quarterback, they're going to start feeling it. And because they were able to get to to, uh, golf early and often, He's like, man, what is going on? And then when he's trying to hold back and and stay in there, it's like, okay, man, I'm taking too many hits. Now, the thing, again, I'm going to say they have a lot more data with the, with the, the iPads and the different things. You can go in after a series and you can go look and see, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. And you kind of should mentally be able to make adjustments. The dilemma is, while he's making adjustment on what he thought he saw, Belichick in their defense was then making another adjustment, make it look the same, switch it up again. I.e., 
the last interception, we're driving down. We throw a play. Brandon Cooks, a great receiver, he catches that ball and it's a touchdown, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they come right back with the same play. If I'm a DB, as soon as the first time, DB was playing press coverage. Almost get a touchdown. Safety comes over late, helps him out. So that means they were playing a form of too deep. The next time, he's playing way off. So you should be able to tell, okay, this dude is in more of a zone. But if you look at our receiver, Brandon Cooks is jogging off the line like he's tired. Which, again, gives me a problem because, okay, you ran. You're now supposed to run another, you know, we call it a nine route Mm -hmm. and beat this guy one-on-one and he's playing off. You should be able to do that. But he's jogging off the ball and then – for whatever reason, golf doesn't see that, and he just throws it up, and Brandon Cooks doesn't react and tackle the guy or do something, which means he's looking at the guy not expecting the ball to come to him anyway. But go back and look at that play, and you'll see how slow he's running the route. And it's like, what is he doing? I, I look at that game, too, and think, this, you know, besides Cooper Cut missing – you know, they really, really need to focus in on Josh Reynolds this offseason. They, you know, he's a tall guy who's flash potential, and they really could have used his height in that era, in that area down there. And right. they didn't, you know, he's obviously not in a place where they trust him to do that right now. But he, the guy's like 6'4, tall guy, you know, can get up in the air. That that's something they need to focus. If you can't develop him, you got to look somewhere else in the draft and try to find a gem there. And they don't have a lot, and they don't have a whole lot of picks either to do it. They don't have a second-round pick. They gave away one of the third-round picks. They got to use compensatory picks in this draft in the third round. First round, they're probably, I would think they're probably going to go edge rusher yeah, unless you know a receiver like that falls in their lap or somebody else, like a defensive end falls in your lap because who knows if Indominus uh, is coming back next year. That's another episode for us. So you, you have a guy in the house, and Josh Reynolds, I think you have potential there. And... You really could have used that height right there on that play, and Brandon Cooks is a, is is not six four. He's like five ten, five eleven, and it showed there. Now, Derek, you make a great point. Now, how many meetings and game plans have you been sitting in with the Rams this year? Zero. Zero. But you can see from just a layman's term. If I got a guy, 6'3", 6'4", and I got a DB over there, 5'11", okay, I got another receiver, maybe 5'9", maybe 5'10", okay, who have a better chance if you're going to do a 50-50 ball? And the other thing would happen is you put Josh Reynolds out there, well, now that's a wrinkle. Mm -hmm. But if you try to go, oh, man, we we almost hit a home run on that touchdown, well, the DB knows, shoot, I almost got beat. I ain't going to get beat. And he look out and he go, oh, man, they're going to try to run the same play on me again. And it's like, okay, what are you guys doing? That's where the heat comes on of McVay. Hey, man, you've been coaching. You've been an offensive coordinator. You was a receiver. You was an all-state player. And Come on, man, that's basic football. Why would you try to run the same play and not disguise it with a different player, a different set, bring the guy over in motion, but you run the same set thinking you fooling somebody. I think he was so at that, that point in the game. I think he was I think he was shell shocked. I think he did not expect to be there. And you know, I, I look at this also go, here's a question for you. 
Where was Gerald Everett the entire game and Tyler Higby? Those are guys who stepped in and made critical catches with, with Cooper Cup out. I don't, I mean, did you see even one pass attempt to them? I'm sure they did. I didn't, you know, I can go back and look real quick. Targets. I don't think so. I don't Targets. think so. We were, you know, me again, me and my son, like, where are the tight ends today? You know, but again, this is where the situation is. You had coaches, offensive coordinators, offensive staff. This is what you get paid for is to come up with an effective game plan. And if that is not working, you should be able to take all the plays you have in your playbook and come up with something when you have to have it. When it was third and two and we decided to throw and then uh, golf takes a sack, that just can't happen down the stretch. Yeah, you third can't. And- that sack, no, take, no business you know taking I mean? that sack. Yeah. So we got just, two yards. We're going to take Gurley and pound it up in here two plays <laughs> if you stop him. You know what I mean? That's got to be – we're going to get this first down. Oh, we're going to try to be over – then we take a big sack. You can't – you know. That, you that, one is, that. that one's on golf. That one is on golf. Um, targets, like you mentioned. This one's interesting. Gerald Everett, one target. Tyler Higby, he's not on the list. Um, Josh Reynolds, three catches for 28 yards, long of 11, was targeted seven times. So that's what I'm talking about. You know, if you trust this guy more, you know, you, you do trust him. You trust him with seven targets. But what did he do out there with his seven targets? You know, what do they have him doing? That, that's something I would want to go back and look at the film Later on this, we can take a look at what they did with Josh Reynolds because he's he's a key player in that offense right now because you know they're going to blanket Woods and you know they're going to blanket Cooks. If if Josh Reynolds steps up there and gets open, it's a different game. And why weren't they using him more close to the end zone? That's your that's your tall guy. Um, but you 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 mentioned these gaffes the coaching staff made, and the really cool thing about well you know what I love about Sean McVay is. He is consistently willing to take responsibility and own his mistakes, um, and right. he did last night. And so this is we, this has been a a podcast where guys we're, we're breaking it down. We're we're going knee deep into the X's and knows of what went wrong, and, and I, I think it's necessary for us to end the podcast looking a little bit towards next year because I I've said it over and over again. You know, every time the Rams have been challenged. Every time they've they've had to take a step back, you know the the, the two games with the Bears and the, and the Eagles, the um, and the Falcons game coming back from last year to this year that they they've always taken steps to be better. And moving forward, Michael, into this off season, what do you think the Rams can take from this game, uh, moving in the next year? Especially given the fact that we have a, a coaching staff that does take ownership when they screw up. Well, I, I like that. And, and real quick, Derek, one thing uh, I wanted to mention is, you know, a lot of things happen that can sway the game when it becomes game day. Where is our quarterback coach going? Cincinnati. To be the what head coach, right? Yep. Yeah, so you look at all those things, though they say, oh, man, I'm not distracted, this and that. 
But again, quarterback coach, I would imagine he has a pretty good relationship with golf. You know, does is is golf thinking a little bit of next year? Like, man, what I'm gonna do without my guy? You know, I don't know. But all those little things at the end of the day play into are you ha- on that day or not? As far as next year, I just think we gotta build. I mean, we gotta figure out if. Gurley is going to be the long-term answer. And if it is, we got to make sure that we are (laughs) scheming up our game plan to get the most out of all the players. You know, is our boy, is Cup coming back pretty healthy or what's the word on him? I mean, but the only problem there with Gurley, we can't even ask that question now because he just got paid massive money on an extension that kicks in this next season. It's too late. The deal is signed, you know. So they took the risk. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the, 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 the potential for us, I mean, we show what type of offense we can have when we're hitting on the right cylinders, you know, but I know the O-line got banged up towards the end of the year. I know they did everything within their control to rest guys and do these kind of things to try to make sure that, you know, we're hitting on full cylinders down the stretch. But at the same time, uh, we just got to make sure we're not over scheming and just taking advantage of what a defense especially is giving us. But how do we actually put pressure and consistently use our weapons? Because again, you can't have drop offs where a guy is great one game and then he disappears for two or three. And yeah. so we just got to be more consistent across the board. And like you said, some of these young guys, you know, Reynolds and and I think we got some some great tight ends. I mean, we were using them early in the season and different schemes. So, you know, I don't know uh, overall philosophy. And that's the tough things for, you know, people like you and I to kind of comment because I don't know what they're really thinking. I know what I'm thinking or I know what I would be doing. But, yeah, I don't I don't know who's hurt, who's not hurt. Yeah. Who they really can trust and all those things. That's the tough thing about being where you and I stand. You know, we don't we're not in the locker room. We don't know all the situations. We don't know all the different stresses that are going on with the team. We don't know if they if like you're saying they just you know, had a bad game. Everybody's had a bad game. You I'm sure as much as we'd like to say Michael Stewart Never had a bad game in his life. We we have to be honest and say that's not true, right? You know, you had your bad games. Everybody has them. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. There are some days you go out, and for whatever reason, you got more mental mistakes. You know what I mean? Because you're human. If you had a death in the family, or your mom is sick as in the hospital, or your son is running a temperature when you leave to go out of town, or whatever, uh, you didn't get enough tickets, and your best friend oh, man, I got to call him and let him know I can't get him tickets to the game this week. You know, all that stuff can play into now when you go out there, let alone you eat the same thing every day, and for whatever reason, you feel sick today. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into by the time you play that game that can affect you, and the more you can, you know, get rid of distractions and be focused – that's why I think at the end, a guy like Brady and a lot of those guys, because they've been there so many times, they can actually back things down and really look at it as another game as opposed to, man, this is the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so we're heading forward now, too. And I look at it going, and I may, maybe, maybe even to a degree, just as the guy who, as much as I want to say I'm a journalist, I'm still a fan, okay? And I'm going to look at this and take the positive route. You're talking, they face a team that has been there nine times. They, um, no matter, I don't know how you how else you could frame it. This this a lot. The core of this team is very young. They were exposed to two weeks of different things going on with the Super Bowl media and so on and so forth. And it should you know, and a, a young coach too, a thirty three year old head coach who has been touted as the next great coach in, in the NFL. And I think he is going to be. I think he's. I think Sean McVay will win a Super Bowl. With the Los Angeles Rams. I believe that. And that's different for me compared to 2001. When the Super Bowl happened in 2001, I, believe, I, I was crushed when that game ended. And I could not fathom that this team could have lost that game and then not come back the next year. I thought for sure, okay, we'll be, we'll be back. We'll be back. And then, you know, you and I exchanged a couple messages that felt different this time for me. Um, I... It was like you don't know. You don't know if you'll ever get that opportunity. You don't. Right. And, and there's a, there's, a, there's always that chance. I mean, the Eagles didn't make it back this year. They had a whole bunch of injuries. Atlanta fell apart in the last couple of years. You know, but I'm looking at how this organization is built around the game, and I can be a lot more confident that Sean McVay will lead this team to a Super Bowl title because yeah, I, of I'm, the culture. I'm with, I, absolutely, I, I'm with you and. I'm just, I don't want to say crossing my fingers, but being around Coach McVay enough, he has the the mindset, the temperament. He's created a great culture. Uh, But at the same time, this team had a lot of new guys this year and still made it to the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know how many of those guys will be here next year, but that's a big time deal to get all these guys. We picked up, uh, you know, the outside linebacker mid year, you know, came in, played well, uh, down the stretch. Sue obviously showed what he could do still. Uh, Aaron Donald has been, been great. Obviously, you know, our, our backers Littleton now they've actually been in the big games and things. So I, I just believe that all this will play to our benefit you know, again, the main thing that stops a team from getting back is the injury bug. And so if we can stay away from that, yeah, we got a good, as good a chance as anyone to be right back here, you know, in the next year or the following years, but consistently not really dropping off. But compete, yeah, competing. Folks, we do have a lot more to talk about. I mean, this is, we're just scraping the surface of it. We, um, we do want to thank you for sticking in for an X and O's breakdown of this loss. Uh, a lot. That's the most X and O's I've heard you talk on the show, man. You were you were you were ready. Um, uh, but we have free agency coming up. We have the draft coming up. We have you know, we, we know our our GM Leslie loves to make deals, and we have a, a ton of guys who we don't know are going to come back. We have a salary cap with some room, but now you have to start getting ready for the golf extension. So. Um, we have a lot of things that are going to happen down the line. Just because this season is over 
Guess what? Tonight with this podcast, we're starting a brand new season, getting ready for 2019. So I ask you to stick with us. Also, if you'd like to sponsor us, um, hey, it's how we keep the lights on here, man. We're, <laughs> we're trying to get all of our guys the right equipment and be able to pay the bills. So, hey, reach out to us at ramstop 1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you, which I now have to add Mr. Stewart on that media kit. I got Adam in there. Yeah, okay. Um, it has all of our numbers of what we've done. It'll, it's going to be updated periodically as well. We, you know, we're, we're good partners, folks. We'll be glad to have you on board to, to advertise with us and, and to, to really let people know the good stuff you got. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Michael Stewart at 1Duke23. We cannot forget the 1Duke there. One do twenty three. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and IE Beat Radio. For Michael and the entire Rams Talk team, it's time to move on. Still for us, go Rams! This is Derek C. Paul. Take it easy. We'll see you in a couple days. See you, folks. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.